Welcome everyone, I'm Reba Sparrow, and today, a pineapple is not a broken orange on the Mystery Box Show podcast. This storyteller was recommended to us by a friend of ours who's also a producer and runs sex-positive shows. She has a show called Stand Up Smut, and this storyteller told a story, and our friend said, hey, you should pitch a story to the Mystery Box show. And we're so glad she did. This is also just a heartwarming but also hilarious story. So please welcome into your ear holes Cassie Brider. I was 17. I was at a party. And there was this girl. She had wide hips, a thin waist, big, beautiful butt, perky, bouncy boobs, long, beautiful, curly hair. She was an effortless flirt. She was a sensual seductress. And all the boys were mesmerized. She had it going on and she knew it. Oh, this story is not about her. (laughs) But she had them. All the eyes were on her. They saw her. And I was invisible. I was in hiding. Even from myself, I guess. It felt helpless. I left that party pretty worked up. How come she gets to do that? And the answer was obvious. I knew the answer, of course. I grew up knowing that there's two genders. And I'm not even talking about female and male. There's the good one. The lucky ones get the good one. The boobs, the butt, the magical womb where the mystery of life happens. I got the other one. Flat chest, no hips. And this awkward thing with unpredictable and scheduled directions. (laughs) Shooting icky white stuff. Yeah, the average puberty is awkward. It always puzzled me, talking to boys, that they seemed okay with this whole arrangement. (laughs) Anyway, we left the party and we went to the cafe in the corner. And this thought was brewing in my head that essentially was something like, two can play that game. There was this boy, surfer looks, he was a guitar player, he was hot, long hair, He was perfect. For every task, you need three things. Skills, resources, and determination. I had no skills. (laughs) I had no resources. But I was determined. So I proceeded to work my deeply lacking womanly wiles (laughs) on this guy. And it wasn't working, or it might have been hopeless from the start. He felt uncomfortable and he left. But I was determined. (laughs) So I turned my eyes to this other guy. 
he wasn't a guitar player. <laughs> he wasn't that hot. <laughs> but he was, he was there, okay? <laughs> he was there. <laughs> So I turned my attention to, to him, and, and it was working. Uh, he was responding. He seemed interested. It's a careful, subtle dance, this art of being available, of potential deniability, of waiting for the guy to make the move, of um, letting the guy make the move, of making the guy make the move. <laughs> He made a move. Uh, we started talking about sex. We started talking um, generally, hypothetically, and then a little more personally, intimately, and then logistically. <laughs> we decided to go back to my place. I had essentially run away from home 5,000 miles from Long Island, New York, all the way to Buenos Aires, Argentina, back to my friends, away from my parents. I was supposed to be gone two weeks. I had me gone eight months. I took all my shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, my dad's factory had a janitor's studio, and there was no janitor, so I took it over, and I was squatting there. I brought the boy home with me. The saggy fruit of the loom briefs should have been a red flag that he was not going to be the world's greatest lover. <laughs> but I was determined. I followed through. So <laughs> we got naked. This lover wasn't quite a man. At 17, he looked more like an awkward boy than a man. And at 17, I looked more like an awkward boy than a woman. It occurred to me we're going to need lube. <laughs> I had no lube. But I was determined. <laughs> I remembered reading a piece, an erotica piece, that referenced butter. Oh, it gets worse than this. <laughs> I scoured the fridge, but remember, this is the apartment of a 17-year-old runaway. I had no butter. <laughs> I had strawberry jam. It turns out it's not a good lubricant. It's <laughs> it's sticky, it's messy, it's not very slippery, slidery. <laughs> I had wanted him to seduce me. I had wanted him to tell me how pretty I am. I had wanted him to woo me. He didn't do any of those things. We got into bed. I lay belly down against the sheets. He lay on top of me. 
Which, by the way, is a really dumb position for first-time anal sex. There's no give, there's no wiggle room, you can't control the motion. And he got on top of me, and he proceeded to eagerly start pumping into my strawberry-coated butt. And it felt not good. <laughs> I gave it a minute because quite often you read about first times that start with pain that gives way to pleasure, but this wasn't it. This was just painful <laughs> and annoying. <sighs> so I turned over and I offered to go down on him. This is the part where the strawberry jam comes handy. <laughs> that was one tasty dick. <laughs> I asked him to promise me, to warn me before he comes. He promised he'd warn me. He didn't warn me. I had really long hair back then, uh, longer than now. Loved my hair, very fond of my hair. Hated come, hated it. <laughs> Loved my hair. <laughs> Are you folks ahead of me? <laughs> Do you remember that scene in The Matrix where Neo goes, He did get calm all over my hair. <laughs> and he got dressed and he left. And um, I showered three times. And I shampooed my hair over and over and over. And then I lay on my bed and cried. I felt dirty. Sometimes a girl doesn't so much want to have sex as she wants to feel desired. And he had not once, not once looked at me like those boys were looking at the girl in the party. Nothing that he had done had made me feel seen. He didn't see me. Fast forward many years, <laughs> two lifetimes later, um, I was freshly divorced. I had tried for over a decade to do the 2.4 kids white picket fence thing, awkwardly cast as the Ken in the Ken and Barbie fantasy. Throughout my marriage, I was very aware of the fact that my spouse could do normal well. She could do her role well. She nailed it. And I struggled. Um, I was somehow broken. And she had taken me anyway. But now I was post-divorce, I was processing all this, and um, this quirky phrase came to me. I'm going to have to explain it, but it's really meaningful to me. A pineapple is not a broken orange. <laughs> Try as you might, you can't make a pineapple into an orange. It's not. It's not built like that. It's not built for that. But it's not broken. 
It's just a different fucking fruit. I started thinking maybe I'm a pineapple. <laughs> and I found myself beholden to none. I love this phrase. I read it in a book. I was beholden to none. I could do whatever I wanted. I could do whoever I wanted. And I found this little dating site called Craigslist. <laughs> that was a busy year. There was this man, he was one of my finds that, that year. This lover was all man. He was a building contractor. He had glistening muscles. He was tanned. He looked like a young Robert Redford. He had a sailboat. I imagined myself on the sailboat being kissed by this man in this sunset, this movie moment. He had a sailboat. He had a hot tub. He had a waterbed. I know, right? <laughs> he would answer the door in his red robe, much like, like Hugh Hefner, I thought. And he'd take me to the hot tub, red wine, 80s rock and roll, and then he'd take me to the waterbed. I mean, this is like a porn movie. <laughs> Except for the dog smell, maybe. And, you know, week after week, a few weeks later, I found myself on all fours with him fucking me as hard as he could from behind. And it felt, okay, I was just thinking, it's always the same, you know? It's the hot tub, the robe, the waterbed, the red wine, the dog smell. <laughs> you know how in video games, you walk into the room and the creature moves to the left and then leaps to the right and then pounces. And then you walk into the room and the creature moves to the left and then leaps to the right and then pounces. And you start seeing the pattern and it's less adventurous and less fun. And so what I was thinking is, if a man has hold of your ass and is fucking you as hard as he can, and you're thinking of video game analogies, <laughs> Yeah. He never did take me on the sailboat. He never took me dancing. He never took me to the movies. Oh, he took women on the sailboat. He would tell me about it. Once I took him to a party, he spent the entire party flirting with women in front of me. He didn't see me as a woman. He didn't see me. I had already begun to transition, but it was early. I wasn't on hormones yet, and he didn't get any of this. For the next few years, all through my transition, my body always felt like an apology in every sexual encounter. Stupid flat chest, stupid flat hip, narrow hips. Stupid always in the goddamn way penis. Fast forward again to the ripe old age of recently. This lover wasn't a man at all, which was a surprise to me because I had been looking for a cowboy. I had dated a cowboy, actually, a six foot three tall cowboy from Wyoming. <laughs> and that didn't work out. 
Um, Women like me are complicated or can be complicated. When you're not the factory model, people have to figure out where the controls are. And things look... Um, okay, look, like, do you have a pair of fabric scissors at home? And they might look like scissors, but if somebody starts using that on paper, that would piss you off, right? Or if somebody puts your iron skillet in the dishwasher and you're like, no, that's not how you, that's what, what are you doing? <laughs> I wish that people would have the sense to ask, what do you call your parts? How do you like them touched? What do you like to do with them? And then I met this five foot tall non-binary dreamboat. They were wicked smart full of swagger, hella dashing. They weren't beautiful or handsome. They were a crazy mix of handy-some and beauty-some. <laughs> and they knew just exactly how to touch me and how to kiss me. And they lay me down on the bed and they undressed me and they kissed my neck and they kissed me everywhere. And I do mean everywhere. I don't know if there's a poetic way to say somebody sticking your tongue deep into your ass. <laughs> but it was poetry to me. It felt like heaven. I cried. And they got me on all fours on the bed, and they fucked me hard with their quarter-inch clit. And it felt amazing. I felt like I was having sex for the first time. Okay, with unconventional parts, sometimes you have to connect in unconventional ways. So sometimes my clit would be inside of them as they straddled me, but it was always very clear how they saw me, how they were fucking me. It was always very clear what they thought of me, how they saw me. Pineapple. <laughs> <laughs> they kissed me so passionately. They brought me flowers. They, they brought me to the office Christmas party once. They brought me to orgasm all the time. They called me princess. And when they fucked me, I did feel like Jasmine in Aladdin's arms. <laughs> wonder by wonder, sideways and under, on a magic ride. It didn't matter if I was beautiful or not. They saw me as beautiful. They saw me. That was Cassie Brighter, everyone. So funny, such comedic timing, and really a role model, I think, for a lot of people. 
someone I really respect and admire. Let us know what you thought of Cassie's story. You can get in touch with us on Facebook, Instagram, or email. All of the links are at mysteryboxshow.com. You can also pitch your story to us, and you may end up on one of our live stream shows, like our upcoming Valentine's Day live stream on Sunday, February 14th. It makes the perfect date night. Seriously, Valentine's Day is always my favorite show of the year. Tickets are on sale right now at mysteryboxshow.com, and we'll have those links in the show notes for you. You can support us by subscribing to this podcast, giving us a five-star rating, and writing a review. It really helps us out. You can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash mysteryboxshow, where you can have early access to all of our podcast episodes and YouTube videos, plus special gifts and personal interactions with us. Our music comes from our good friend Farnell Newton and the Other Ship Connection. Our audio engineer is Greg Keenan at Sound Minion Studios in Longmont, Colorado. Thanks to our production assistant, Nicole Perkins, my co-producer, Eric Scheuer. I'm your mistress of ceremonies, Reba Sparrow. On our next episode, change is hard. I remember looking at myself, all I could see was the limp wrist. And that's when I realized how much more work I had to do. That meant puffing up your chest, squaring your shoulders, not using so much hip action when I walk. All those things that I thought outed me as a sissy. We'll see you in 2021, everyone. Have a very, very happy new year from all of us here at the Mystery Box Show.